Oh, Rachel, what are you doing? I'm putting together the latest episode of my Lessons from Lost podcast. Who are you talking to this week? Susie Hewer. I know Susie. She's won over 200 marathons and bakes that delicious banana bread, doesn't she? That's right. Fueled by the loss of her mum to dementia, she's become a mighty voice for raising awareness and funds into research, which has, as you say, involved many miles run, but also lots of stitches knitted and crocheted. Do you talk about her world record? We do. And a porcupine? Mm, no, he doesn't come up. <laughs> well, that's outrageous. Hello and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast, in which we share our stories of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them that now positively guide and define how we live our lives today. Each episode, I talk to a different guest and before we start, I just want to acknowledge the energy it takes, the bravery of all my guests in sharing their stories with me and you, the listener, and to acknowledge the impact that hearing these stories may have on you. So do please look after yourself whilst you listen. Today, I'm really happy to be chatting with Susie Hewer. She's run over 200 marathons and a 100 miler and is the owner of two Guinness World Records, for both knitting and crocheting whilst running a marathon, all in a bid to raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's Research UK. Dementia stole her mum during her final eight years of life when she finally passed away in 2005. Susie has raised over £60,000 and has spoken at conferences in the media all about this disease. So welcome along, Susie. Thank you. Nice to be here, Rachel. Gosh, so that is a colossal amount of money raised, but also the level of level of involvement that you've had with the charity. Obviously, dementia is a terrible disease of what I know of it for both the person with it, but also possibly even worse for the per for the people around them who are witnessing and experience experiencing it all too it used to be one of those diseases that was only ever really spoken about in hushed tones and words yeah. but I think that's really changing now with obviously the help of people like you so I'm just sort of curious why were you so drawn to speak out and share your experiences well having watched my mum's decline into vascular dementia I was horrified by the effect it had on her and on us as a family as well. It was just my husband and myself. But watching her decline was just so dreadful. It's really hard to explain. And people would say silly things like, oh, it happens to everybody. It doesn't happen to everybody at all. And we also became very isolated as well in the latter stages because people were embarrassed by her behaviour. They were scared of some of the things she said because she'd come out with some very strange things, nonsensical things. And people stayed away. So then as a family, we became incredibly isolated. And when it was all over, I got so fed up with people saying things like, oh, she should have read books. She should have done this. She should have done that. She did everything. She was very healthy. She was bright, intelligent. And that's what was even more shocking for me that it should happen to her. So I decided that I wanted to speak out about it, but I didn't know how to speak out about it. So I started searching for a, a, a charity that dealt with research because I felt research was the cue to this. And I found a, a, a charity called then the Alzheimer's Research Trust 
and I looked at their modus operandi and it was a small charity but with such great big ideas I thought right I'm going to get in contact with them which I did and we struck a very good relationship right from the start and that set me on a path to speaking out about it to the public to the newspaper to anybody who would listen. Wow had you ever done anything like that before I mean was was that sort of a you know were you already a, a natural in in speaking out and and um, you know about a cause that's passionate to you um not really in, in my previous life I was a banker and I did have to address conferences sometime but that was sort of in a mechanical way this this was something very very personal and I have I'm I quite freely break down in tears sometimes when some of the memories come back to me. So, no, it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sometimes I think when you show that level of passion and, and vulnerability, mm. that actually that kind of grabs people even mm. more, doesn't it? It's, mm. It shows the, you know, it just shows the depth of, of emotion and the, yes. the impact that it had on, on your life as, as being your mum's carer in those last few years. Mm. Mm. When, I, when I'm addressing a crowd now, I, I never focus on any one person. And I, I will scan the room and I'll sort of look as if I'm addressing everybody. But the minute I see somebody with a handkerchief, that's it. I have to look away, otherwise I'll lose my train of thought and I start to struggle. Yeah, that must be really, um, really hard to keep that, to keep that mm. focus on there. So how, how did it all impact you, your mum's illness? Where do I start? I should start really at the very beginning of it because my mum actually lived with us. She came to live with us when she was 75, not because she was ill or anything. My dad had died and she was living alone and all her friends around her had died and she suddenly felt very vulnerable and isolated. We at the time had just moved into a big house that we were renovating. So we said, yeah, come and live with us, which she did. And we had five very happy years where she she dug the garden for her she did wallpaper stripping all the lovely things that you do together as a family and then one day um I took a cup of coffee to her in the morning and she was um lying on the bed saying oh, I feel very sick and dizzy so got her into bed and then she was violently sick so we weren't sure what had happened so we we got the doctor around and he said oh she it's just old age, you know, just give her a rest, blah, blah, the sort of thing that people do dismissively. But one of the good things he did say was, I think she should have a brain scan, which she did. And we were told that she probably got some sort of vascular activity going on, but nobody, nobody at that time said anything about dementia. So we came in and said, all right, okay, well, let's just, let's just see what happens. And then the rest is history, really what was one of sort of like the real low points for you? Um, the, the really low point was actually having to acknowledge what was happening to her because her behaviour changed so much. She was a bright, happy person. She turned into this angry, ferocious, vicious person. She'd hurl things around in her bedroom. She didn't recognise myself or Mike. And I didn't realise until... Um, somebody came round that she, she called me her cousin and she thought Mike was the gardener which was quite amusing but, um, 
so it was that sudden realization that she didn't know who I was. God, that must have been must have been really, really tough and really heartbreaking for you, having been, you know, with her living with you, having been so close. Yes. Do you think because you you're fundraising and sort of working with the charity started quite soon, didn't it? After she passed away. Yes. Yeah. Was that a part of your grieving do you think that prompted you to do that and I wonder had you perhaps already we were already sort of quite a long or quite a way into your grieving anyway because I guess you'd already you'd already started to lose it hadn't you yes really the the grieving process started the moment I realized that she didn't know who I was that was when it finally hit me I mean there'd be all sorts of little incidents before then the memory lapses wandering off. Oh my goodness, that was so scary. She wanted she once wandered off when we went to the library together. And I parked the car by the library as I always did. She goes in there, I go across the bank and get some money out. I came back to the car, went into the library to collect her, she wasn't there. And the librarian said, Oh, she went ages ago. I thought, where's she gone? The car's mm-hmm. outside. I turned left I turned right I couldn't see her anyway and I'd only been gone five minutes so I thought she can't be far away so I ran one way and thankfully the way I chose to run was the correct one and I found her I said what's what on earth are you doing mum she said well I'm going home because you'd obviously moved the car and she was really really aggressive and I suddenly thought oh my gosh this is really serious oh goodness how much support did you have none none whatsoever because Nobody really knew much about dementia then. They were, we were just sort of left to get on with it, which was okay because as a family unit, we were really strong. And I'm lucky that Mike was very, very understanding. It got, it got particularly difficult in the later stages when she started to lose functionality and she would wander around half naked or something, which isn't really nice for your son-in-law to see. Mm. And, um, and I, I, I tell some horrible stories. I'll just share this and you can choose to delete it if you, you will. But uh, there was one night when she wandered into our bedroom with a nightie on and she squatted down and urinated on the floor because she thought she was in the bathroom and it, it's that complete loss of her dignity that really yeah. hit me because she was she wasn't a tomboy like me I was a tomboy but she was a proper lady and I just thought oh my goodness thank goodness she doesn't know what what's just happened yes and do you think that there is more support available now than oh, yes thank then. goodness there, there yeah. is absolutely yes there's much more and although I still speak out I don't speak out as much now because there's so many other people now who want to tell their story and particularly younger people are coming in and they notice grandma's having a problem and, and they want to speak out about it too which is really really good yeah that's that's brilliant isn't it that mm. that younger people are getting yes. involved with it yes. from a you know sort of caring for grandparents kind of way but also just yes. in that if youngsters are being educated and becoming aware of it then it just helps really re- remove that stigma that it's just something that happens when you get older and and that's you know some yes. weird thing that goes on sort of thing that's right it's, yeah it's so much more just sort of commonplace which which must make it, well, I would imagine, would make it perhaps 
or reduce the isolation that you experienced? Yes, definitely. Definitely. There's so many forums to become involved with. There's so many places you can go to for help now, thank goodness, that it is much easier. So tell me about your Guinness World Record attempts. <laughs> one with knitting and one with crochet. In fact, I think, were you doing one at the cycler park for one of the Kent Roadrunner marathons? I might have done a bit of crochet at one of those, yeah, just for... Yeah, I think that was the first time that you sort of entered my um, my psyche was, yes, there you were going around crocheting or, or knitting whilst we were running loops and loops and loops around the uh, the track at the cycler park. Yeah, what, what started it was in 2005, it was my 50th birthday, and I wanted to do something special at the London Marathon, because I got a gold bomb place each year then, and one of my friends said, oh, for goodness sake, stay at home with your knitting, and I thought, hmm, knitting was becoming a thing then, because it had been in the, it's sort of in the background all the yeah. time, and I thought, oh, do you know what, I'll just take my knitting with me, and I'll stand and chat with the crowd a little bit, and somebody in the Daily Mail saw what I'd said somewhere, and did an interview with me. Then the people from Guinness World Records saw that, and it was the first time they'd been at the London Marathon to do that sort of thing. And they said, how about going for a Guinness World Record? And I thought, well, what can I do? And so, and so between us, we had to plan the type of scarf, you see. And so I set the parameters. It had to be so many stitches wide. It had to be a minimum of five feet long. <laughs> and that's how it started. Oh, wow. And you knitted that whole scarf? Yes. In the... Yeah in the 26 miles yes 26.2 yes. yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that hurts I can tell you my shoulders ache like mad oh my goodness I bet it did I mean how long did that how long what did it take you to run that marathon well, I had the time limit of six hours. I think I did it in 5.25 and I thought afterwards, oh, I should have stayed out a bit longer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think it through properly. I mean, super impressed that you could um, run and knit, but to knit a five-foot-long scarf, <laughs> um, even just to knit a five-foot-long scarf in five and a half hours, I, I find incredible. Um, let alone to be doing it whilst you're you're running 26.2 miles as well amazing <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> always easy because <laughs> no, I have I... done it a few times and there was one time when somebody barged past me and tripped me up and I went splat everywhere the wool was all over the place oh. and the knitting unraveled <laughs> so it's yeah. not all easy <laughs> no no and then you and then you did the same crocheting was so was that crocheting a scarf as well no, it was for the longest crochet chain completed whilst running oh, the marathon. Okay. And that actually had more meaning. When I thought about it, I thought about, and I, I used it as a metaphor that the links of the crochet, which is chains linked together, were like the cells in a brain which get broken when oh. dementia takes hold. So I, I use that when I'm speaking sometimes because people understand the analogy then. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Yes it has has more meaning than the knitting mm. scarf yes mm. yeah so how long was your crochet chain hang on <laughs> it was 139.4 meters wow 
<laughs> that's amazing presumably you had a little bag to kind of put it in as you were making you didn't have it trailed up behind you tripping I had it everybody all looped up around it was all looped around on my belt <laughs> oh amazing amazing well that must have really helped raise the awareness yes for the for the charity with um with what you did there and obviously you know raising sixty thousand pounds that's a that's an yeah. enormous amount well done you thank you the beauty of it was that the people from Guinness World Records were absolutely fabulous with me and they put me forward for so many different things. So I got to reach lots more people as a result of them. They were so supportive, couldn't fault them at all. They were just brilliant with me. That's great that they kind of took that on board, yes. but also it wasn't, um, you know, not that I'm knocking anybody who gets a Guinness no. World Record because, they're, you know, they're all amazing whether you know however sort of quirky some of these these records are mm. but but the mm. fact that you had that very much sort of linked into the to yes. the charity and raising awareness and funds yeah absolutely yeah they, absolutely. they were really good about uh, bringing me in on all the press conferences as well which then led to dialogues with all the major um, newspapers and radio stations which was a wonderful resource for us Yes. I think it probably, at first, they were thinking, oh, it's this batty old woman you know, with a knitting ha-ha. And then when they start speaking to me, they delve a bit deeper and they think, oh, yeah, OK, this is something that's worth talking about. Yeah. And again, it's about getting people talking about it out in the open rather than it being something shameful. You know, we've got to hide away. No, speak out about it. Absolutely. Yeah. To help those people going through it, but also the, yes. the carers and the, the friends yeah. and the family of of those that are supporting them mm. with it. Yes, definitely something that needs to be kept out there in the in the open. And I think the more that happens, the the more comfortable people then are yes. around not only just talking about it, but actually maybe being in the in the presence of somebody who has got dementia, that actually it's perhaps easier and less less scary because I guess yes. people stay away because they're scared aren't they they are they're, they're scared and sometimes they're embarrassed as well and their yeah. embarrassments you, you pick up on their embarrassment and you want to say no it's all right don't worry but the more we integrate the better it is for everybody I mean sometimes if it's, if a person with dementia is being violent it's very very upsetting and off-putting so I can understand why people are nervous about it but if they learn a little bit more about it, they understand better. And it's not quite so scary then. Any form of mel mental illness like that is scary, isn't it? Yeah, so the more that can be done to, to have these conversations and to raise that awareness, the, mm. the better it is for everybody. So had you stopped working when you were caring for your mum? Yes, yes, yeah. I did. It got to the stage where we knew I had to. I mean, we were quite lucky for a while because my husband worked at home and he had his studio upstairs. And so she she was there with him all day and he'd keep an eye on her. But when it got into the later stages, there was no way he would have been able to cope with it. So it was inevitable that I was going to be her caring. And that's just the way it was. <laughs> I didn't really think about it as giving up my job. I just thought, well, I'm going to care for my mum now. Yes. She cared for me when I was little. My turn. My yeah. turn to give something back. And uh, I suppose just moving on to a, a new chapter of your life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess at the time that you stopped working, did you have any idea of where 
this was all going to take you? <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs> no, I had no idea. <laughs> I think it's just as well not to know what's going to happen in the future, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes. Do you think if you had known when you first made that approach to the uh, Alzheimer's Research Trust that you would that you would have done that <laughs> I don't know no I just didn't think I didn't think about it I just knew it had to be done I think that's the thing you just jump in head first and that's it yeah and it actually when I when I did join up with them it really was right let's get her into something straight away because they had a, a, a thing coming up at the welcome collection and they asked if I'd go and speak as one of the panel I was sitting next to Fiona Phillips and some really really auspicious dementia experts and there's me telling the mum's story and I was like oh my goodness but oh. apparently it went down really well and I got loads of contacts from that and then it's just sort of snowball from there as things do yeah was there nobody else really sort of sharing that story at that point other than you at that time for the Alzheimer's Research Trust there were three of us and that's all just three people now there are many many more and lots mm. of people particularly the younger people are coming forward now but um no not back then afraid so yeah I wonder if there is now just more either more opportunities or just more whether it's just sort of becoming more of our culture to share our stories so to sort of move away from just sort of all the the academic type learning and and you know sort of proper research and and things like that but for there to be a lot more learning based on you know people's experiences and stories Yes, I think you're quite right. I mean, we, we're so immersed in media these days, aren't we? That it's really easy to get your story across. I mean, I've been writing a blog for years now and I've yeah. still got loads of views, which amazes me. <laughs> yeah, and, I love you know, your you blog. It's extreme knitting redhead, is it? <laughs> yes. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's so many different platforms now, aren't there? It's Facebook is really good. There's just so many places you can chat about things yes. and not feel embarrassed. No. And I think one of the, um, you know, whilst whilst there can be a lot of negativity and downsides of Mm. the amount of social media that we have these days, there is when it is used for this kind of purpose, Mm. it's it's just invaluable, isn't it? And it is. Yes. Just amazing how much reach that it has Mm. for people to to get involved and to share stories and for others yes. to, to learn from it yes because you can feel very very alone when you're a carer when you're caring with somebody and they're being particularly difficult or you just don't feel like you want to get out of bed if you can talk to somebody else they can really help you through it and just having a chat on facebook with somebody who's saying i know yeah i know what you mean just makes you feel less alone yeah definitely so what do you think that you've learned from all of this, either from the experience of, of caring for and, and losing your mum or as well the experience of, of having been sort of so deeply involved with the charity? I think it's that life turns on a sixpence and you mm. never know what's coming. And it's probably best not to know, to be perfectly honest. I've found the whole experience life enriching. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about relationships. 
and I learned a lot about my mum as well. I've met some amazing people, some inspirational people, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change the, the course that I took, to be honest. What things did you learn about your mum? I learned that her her tender side was there because she was quite a private person. And in moments when she wasn't in the grips of dementia, she was very kind and very gentle with me, which she wasn't really before. She was, she's a lovely lady, she's very friendly and polite and happy, but she was never really a close mum. Mm. And I found a closeness to her, which was important to me. That's lovely, isn't it, to have found that, mm. but also at a time when you were losing other parts. Yes, it's irony. It yes. It's completely ironic, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. When you once described me as the stoic, and I think, I suppose that's come from my mum because she was very stiff upper lip. And, you know, whatever life threw at us, we'd just go, all oh, right, okay, we've got to change this, do this, 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 and you just got on with it. And I think that's where I got that from, from her, from her determination. Yeah, and crikey, you, you certainly sort of carried that on through with, with everything that you've done with the charity and sounds like it was a, an immediate, right, well, that's it now. This is kind of like the next, the next stage once yes. after she passed. Then it was like, right, you know, now I need to tell our story, yep. inform, educate other people, do what I can to, to help others going through that. Yes. It is nice knowing that you can give some comfort to other people or you can be at the end of the phone to listen to somebody who needs to just vent. Because yeah. being a carer can be a very lonely time. Yes, and being able to, to do that, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to do. It's a very generous thing to do, is to offer up that support to somebody else. What did you learn about yourself? <laughs> That I'm more resilient than I thought I was. <laughs> I'm braver than I thought I was. I mean, I challenged David Cameron for goodness sake when I met him. Did you? I mean, how, how very dare I? <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh, what did you challenge him on? Lack of action, inaction on certain things. Wow, good for you. <laughs> I mean, that I don't does... think he thought that. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever he thought, at least he stopped and thought. Yes, yes, he did. In fairness to him, and he's been a good ambassador for Alzheimer's. Oh, has he? Yes, yeah. This was at the G8 Dementia Summit many years ago. <laughs> right. And I guess that's one of those things, isn't it, when you first got in contact with, um, with the charity? Mm. There was no way on earth that you would have thought that, you know, seven no. years down the line, you would be oh. in a position to be challenging, oh goodness, you know, the, no. the prime minister <laughs> no. at a, at a GA, G8 dementia conference. Oh, one of my knitted scarves went to Downing Street as well with Terry Pratchett, because Terry was absolutely wonderful about speaking about his Alzheimer's. Yes, of course. <laughs> and he was, he trotted down um to Downing Street we stuck the scarf around him took a photo opportunity outside number 10 and made him wear it going inside brilliant 
brilliant. <laughs> yes, Terry Pratchett did an awful lot. He was amazing. For raising, again, awareness of, mm. of what the experience was like for him up yes. to the point that he could still do that. Yeah. Yes, he explained it so well. Yeah. Really, he was brilliant and so very brave as well. Yeah. So what's the biggest thing that you've learned that you take sort of drives you forward today in a positive today. fashion? There's still more to do. There's still more drugs to be discovered. There's still more coping strategies to be found. There's still more education to do. And still lots more money to raise for research. Because without research, we're not going to get any further. So still much more work for you to do. <laughs> yes. And for all of us to do. More marathons to run. <laughs> yes. And lots more scarves to be knitted. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find another thing, don't I? Another stunt to do. <laughs> Yes, whilst yes, whilst running or just or another stunt. <laughs> no, I really don't just, want to do it running again. No. <laughs> not, not, I don't want to do knitting again, thank you. No, I have no idea what else I could do, but there must be something I can do. <laughs> Knit, knitting whilst skydiving, would that work? <laughs> stop it, Rachel. Please stop it now. <laughs> My mind is such that I'll now go away and think about that. <laughs> yes, just planting seeds, that's all. No, please don't. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for coming to speak with me today. It's You're an absolute inspiration for the way that you've gone from somebody who, who probably, you know, okay, you sort of had spoken at work conferences, but, but never dreamt that, you know, she would be challenging the prime minister and, <laughs> you know, speaking on, on television and radio and, getting Guinness World Records and things. That's, um, you know, an, an amazing thing to have, a positive thing to have to have come out of the the loss of, of your mum, not only sort of in her passing, but in the in the years leading up to that. And I certainly find it inspirational listening to to people who just get that passion to say, you know, things have got to change and I don't want other people to experience this. So, you know, you've you've just been amazing in, in all that you've done. Thank you. Rachel. And I know that you'll you'll carry on sort of flying that flag for a rate for raising awareness and for for raising money as well for all that essential research. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Keep on running. <laughs> I will. I'll be running with you soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it. Such an inspiring conversation. Susie, you're a force to be reckoned with. Life can and does turn on a sixpence. And even if you may not see it at the time, those moments can be the catalyst for something to emerge that you never knew you had. To find out more about Susie's work, check out her blog, Extreme Knitting Redhead and also Alzheimer's Research UK. The links are in the show notes.
Thanks to my network and support in producing this podcast, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and thanks to you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another lesson from loss. Thank you.